So why do we need to focus on the experiences of Black people in this country? Again, another sort of light topic for our... <laughs> We're just so light and fluffy over here, don't you know? <laughs> Podcasts. We are. You know, that's generally what we're known for, I think, though. So, you know, and we are talking about this because white people, you keep asking us what you can do differently to be more anti-racist. So we're spending the summer going through things in a bite-sized way so that we all know the basics around the most commonly asked questions and issues around racism that we see in this country. And again, we'd like to emphasize that this is not a checklist. This is simply a primer. If you want more, go buy our book, Dear White Women, Let's Get Uncomfortable Talking About Racism, which is full of people's stories, the real history that you may not have learned in school, and action steps for you to take. Welcome to the Dear White Women podcast. We are your biracial Japanese and white hosts, Sarah and Misasha. We've been best friends for 25 years, ever since we met as undergrads at Harvard. And now Misasha is a lawyer, is married to a black man and has very mixed race boys. The world sees as black. I'm Sarah. I'm a life coach and I'm married to a white Canadian man. And I have two white presenting girls together. We help white women use their privilege to uproot systemic racism without centering themselves in the process. So a question we have been asked at one or many, to be honest, of our <laughs> events is why do we have a whole section about being Black in America in our book, right? It's basically this question, why do you choose to focus on the experiences of Black people rather than including a variety of experiences from other people of color as well? And to be clear, we have an entire third section dedicated to non-Black people of color and their experiences and their histories and, and what you can do differently. But we spend an entire section devoted to the Black experience in America. And for us, the reason is we really feel that it is critical to start with Black people because of the history of slavery in America and how closely it's intertwined with the founding of our nation. Okay, slaves were brought from Africa to the New World as early as 1619. So consider that when you, know, you compare it to our Declaration of Independence, which was written in 1776. Slavery was part of our fabric in the United States before we were even founded. You have to sit with that and accept it. It is not fake news. This is the truth. And let's remember that our constitution was written after the Declaration of Independence, right? So slavery even more entrenched then when we're thinking about that. Speaking about another fact that I was shocked to learn about, George Washington, all around that same period around the founding of our country, inherited 10 slaves from his father's estate when he was only 11 years old. By the time the Revolutionary War broke out, there were more than 150 slaves on Mount Vernon. Yeah. And I went to Mount Vernon in eighth grade as part of our like eighth grade history, U.S. history sort of trip. And I'm pretty sure there was no plaque talking about George Washington inheriting 10 slaves at 11. I mean, this was in the 90s. So it's possible that, you know, that has been added. But for the generation who grew up when we did... That wasn't part of our history at all. No, and I think it's important to point that out because as we say so many times, history is not taught evenly in our schools. History has been skipping over major critical facts like that in its historic institutions. And so now that you know that we don't know the information, we have to seek it out ourselves. Yeah, because let's take this topic and this question bigger, right? Because it's been over two years now since George Floyd's murder. 
And after we've lived through sort of a sudden spike or racial reckoning or whatever you want to call it in the interest of white people with regard to black lives in that summer of 2020. And then that's, you know, has disappeared again, leaving people now in 2022 asking, why are we still talking about this? I think it's all related, right? So Sarah, when you hear people say, why are we still talking about this? What comes up for you? How do you react when you hear that question? Mm, It's such an important thing for every single person to think about. The first thing that comes to mind is that has happened in my own individual life too. I have been with a group of women and we were going to be talking about a book, a book that talked about the black perspective. And everyone was like, do we have to do this? Like I'm tired of talking about racism. And I think what people are forgetting is twofold. One, yes, we're tired, period. We just made it through two years of a pandemic. Every single person is tired, but When you say that you're tired of talking about racism, to me, that means very crystal clear way. You're not affected by racism in your life other than to be the potential perpetrator of racism and not even realize it. Because every person I know who is not in the dominant narrative, who is not a white male, white woman, especially in the last two years with the uptick of anti-Asian hate, like a lot more people are being affected by racism. And so for people to say, why are we still talking about it means They're not feeling, A, the pain of the people who are still experiencing it on a day-to-day basis, and B, are not understanding that nothing has changed. And I think you said this about how you feel about your kids, Misasha. I would love to hear your thoughts about this. Well, I think, you know, when I hear people say that, it makes me think that they don't understand their own agency in this conversation, right? Or in the actions that we need to take to make things better for everyone, right? Because- When you say things like, why are you still talking about this? To your point, Sarah, it's like, this is something separate from their lives. And maybe in direct impact, it is, but we're still all in this same system, right? This same system built on white supremacy, this same system in which we are all trying to survive. And when part of us can't survive in that system, then we all are going to fail, right? It's all of us or none of us. And I know everyone's sick of hearing me say that here or in LinkedIn, but like, it is true. Like it's all of us or none of us. And I think that when I hear that question too, are we, you know, why are we still talking about this? I think that, you know, in, in, in my house, we talk about it because it, you know, I would like my kids to come home every day. And so I'm going to talk about it because these are the kids that might not come home because of the color of their skin. And if you are privileged enough to not have that worry for your kid, then you should be doubly talking about this because your kid has a role to play, right? Or your you have a role to play. Forget kids too. Like you have a role to play in being an upstander, in disrupting the system, right? In making real change. Because if you are asking, why are we still talking about this? And in the same breath, you're talking about how you're an ally to insert group of people here. It can't be both, right? So you have, if you want to make change, it's got to be starting with you. So that's why when I hear that, you know, why are we still talking about this? I think you're not really invested in making change. So, which means to me, according to the model of not racist, heavily air quoted versus anti-racist that we described in one of the first summer episodes that we released about white privilege and white supremacy. If you're not, if you're opting out of having this conversation, you are supporting racism. I need you to sit with that. If you are not willing to make change, you are tacitly 
being pulled along in the system of racism that we have, and you are supporting a racist system. Are you okay with that? Gosh, I know people are going to be like, oh no, but I don't know what to do. And that's why we're having these conversations. You have to choose. You have to understand your own power. Like you just said, me, Sasha, you have the ability to do something out of your comfort zone to make start there. Just do something that makes you uncomfortable and interrupt or say something. It gets easier with time, but it'll never be fully comfortable. You have to be okay with that. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I think about when we were writing our book, right? And we were writing about specific instances in sort of very recent past history, right? Um, for example, people in the streets after Michael Brown's murder in Ferguson, right? The murders of Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice and Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Philando Castile. I mean, okay, and I could go on, right? As we were writing about this and since we published that book, this has been happening over and over again in real time, right? And, you know, prior earlier this year and not that much earlier than when you're hearing this episode we just witnessed a white supremacist terrorist who by the way was 18 and therefore can't be called a teenager if michael brown was being a, called a man by the media at the same age i'm just saying we watched this this individual murder 10 black people while they were just living their lives while black right? Shopping for groceries for their families and communities, and even picking up a birthday cake for their young son, for example. And that shooter's whole action is predicated on theories of replacement that are about as old as our country is, right? And if we do not see that connection, then we cannot move forward together. So I think it goes back to that concept we talked about several episodes ago, when Black people are free, everybody is free, because all of that state surveillance, the policing, the treatment of Black people, once that, the disparity in treatment, once that goes away, we all succeed. I think the action for this is to learn about what your understanding is about our country's history with regards to slavery. Like we said, you have to understand that to understand where we are today, and you may not have been taught it in school correctly. Question how it is being taught in school in your communities right now. I think we have to learn this history and there are amazing books out there to start. You can look at the new Jim Crow, the some of us, how the word was passed. We have a whole book list of resources for you in the book that we wrote, which also provides a primer for a lot of these things. And then I think the other thing to research is replacement theory, because like you just said, Misasha, that idea is about as old as this country is. And lately it has been spouted by talking heads on certain media channels and is now being taken into unfortunate, horrific action by white supremacists who are not lone shooters. They are part of the system of white supremacy. So again, learn this history so you can understand it and continue to speak out and make change. You've just listened to the Dear White Women podcast with your hosts, Sarah and Misasha. Yes, we're on social media. And yes, you can hire us to do talks about our book. But the biggest thing, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter to receive our free materials. Head over to DearWhiteWomen.com to get on the list. <laughs>